was wanting a re I mean Peter was wanting a revival of the people there when he was writing to them in first Peter and, and as a bunch of scattered Christians maybe we need a revival here at the Boonville Church of Christ as well now let's begin at 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Did you notice what they had? They have an inheritance incorruptible. They have a living hope. They have something that is reserved for them in heaven, and we've got the same thing. We have blessings that are unimaginable. The Lord's church is such a wonderful blessing. It is unique. Jesus is the Savior of the body. The church, singular. And this is a gift that's here for the whole world. And the scary thought is that we are accountable for sharing the essence of that gift with our community so that they can take advantage of it as well. Let's look at verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We rejoice. We rejoice like they did when they crossed the Red Sea. We rejoice like they did when they dedicated the temple. We rejoice like they did when Ezra read the word. We rejoice like they did on the day of Pentecost. We rejoice like the man from Ethiopia did after he was baptized. Now, some of you, some of us, have had our faith tested. And maybe it's even being tested now. Maybe it's tested by this COVID-19 quarantine. Maybe it's been tested by the loss of income. Maybe serious illness or death of a loved one. Maybe apathy has set in during this period of live streaming. I don't know how many of you heard uh, Aaron Foster preach on June the 14th. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you heard that great sermon? If you haven't heard that sermon, you ought to go back and, and look at it on YouTube. Now one of the things that he pointed out there was maybe we've become complacent and, and lazy because we have been uh, sort of lulled to sleep by live streaming. And maybe also there may be a battle that's raging, a battle between fear and faith. Well, Paul wanted these, or Peter wanted these scattered Christians to pass the test of fire. I want to thank uh, so many of you who have helped me make it through my health crisis. Many of you know I've had uh, a lot of health problems so far this year. And I've gotten so many cards and, and phone calls and acts of kindness and so many people saying 
I'm praying for you. And this is even from people who in times past I didn't think even liked me. And yet they were sending me cards and telling me they were interested in my health. You know, in the end, once we've gone through all of this, we're to be found praising and honoring and glorying at the appearing of Jesus Christ. But to do that, we need to pass these tests. You know, Peter said there in verses 8 and 9, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with great joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. These scattered Christians that Peter was writing to were looking for a victory. It was the salvation of their souls. And we're looking for that same victory today. We're excited about Ken and Anita Forrest coming because we believe we can work together and all of us can achieve this spiritual victory. There in verses 13 through 16, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. For these scattered Christians to achieve what God had in mind for them, there were some things that they needed to do. Did you catch it? They needed to be sober. This is serious business about serving God. They needed to have hope. They needed to give up their former lust. When you put on the name of Christ, there is an expectation of a certain kind of behavior. And the bottom line was they needed to be holy and we need to do the same thing. I believe we're serious about having a spiritual revival at the Boonville Church of Christ. And we have high expectations of Ken and Anita Forrest and what they can do to help this congregation so that we can all boldly face Jesus on Judgment Day. There is so much for us as a congregation to do. Where do we start? Well, as I said earlier, the whole area of the uniqueness of the church needs our focus. We need to believe it. We need to teach it to our children. We need to teach it to the community. We have some great periods of behavior towards one another being good, and then sometimes we have flat spots. We need to work on our behavior towards one another. Because Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Peter said something very similar to that in this first chapter. He said, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. There may be some things that we can do to make it easier so we understand the needs that we have one to another. I know some congregations have done things like dividing up into care groups so that Groups of people could focus on one another, and we're looking at some of that. We need to reach out to those who are no longer faithful. 
You know, when Paul was writing to the churches in Galatia, he said, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a fault or trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We need to be evangelistic and especially evangelistic in the local area. Many of us were in Aaron's class before the China virus uh, where he was teaching us about reaching out to our neighbors. Uh, I know that, that we're very mission-minded, but I believe the bottom line is it's a lot easier to convert somebody in Guyana or India than it is in Prentice County, Mississippi, and we need to do the hard work. We need to be converting our families and our neighbors here. Maybe we have had some benefits of COVID-19. As Brother Larry said in his uh, welcome last week, this live streaming has opened up a whole lot of contacts through social media. You know, where can we go with our teaching ministry through social media? I know we've got a, uh, an active correspondence course ministry. If you don't believe it, just, just talk to Sister Martin. She'll share a lot of great stories with you. But where can we go with that? You know, our taking a stand or biblical principles in what we do and in how we develop our children and grandchildren to do the same is a great opportunity. We've got such great and precious children. We need to focus on their development and retention. We want them to marry Christians. We want them to raise Christian families, to take on roles within the congregation. When you look at the demographics of this congregation, we need more young married couples who are raising Christian families. We need to reestablish respect for authority. You know, that's a biblical principle that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Where is this country going? Taking God out of schools, attacks on the family as God would have it, sanctuary states, leading to sanctuary cities, leading to autonomous zones. All that is is institutionalized lack of respect for authority. We ought to go back to Romans 13 and read what Paul wrote. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise of the same. For God, for he is God's minister to you for good. For if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. When you dig into this, what you know is that you're, if you're a Christian, you're supportive of the police. If you're a Christian, you're not going to be out there rioting and throwing bricks and things like that at God's ministers. We ought to be praying for 
people in authority. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is an awesome responsibility that we have as Christians. And, and I've, I'm afraid that we're losing some of our sense of that responsibility. I think we're losing some of our sense of, of what is proper. We need to do right. We need to avoid the very appearance of evil. What's happening in our country to this sense of right and wrong, riots and looting and stealing and homosexuality, and abortion, calling evil good and good evil, erasing history, destroying statues. I don't know if you were listening to Brother Guy Gardner's lesson on Wednesday night, but he pointed out that we need to learn from history. You know, the Bible teaches us that what was written aforetime was written for our learning. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you'll have a good discussion there of the things that we should have learned from the wandering in the wilderness of the Israelites. Abraham wanted God to find ten righteous souls in Sodom and Gomorrah so that those cities could be saved. What's it going to take to save the United States of America? Well, you know, I believe a great place to start is with the Boonville Church of Christ being holy. I believe we can be fellow laborers, fellow workers with Ken and Anita Forrest as we strive to be a congregation pleasing to God. Let's pray for them. Let's welcome them with open arms. I know many of you have been doing work to cozy up the house before they moved in. Things like monogram towels and jams and jellies and flowers and food. Jimmy said that Ken likes banana pudding, by the way, and Anita likes anything chocolate. In case you just want to carry them something. Let's encourage them like Barnabas was an encourager to Paul. Let's help them to get to know who we are and the dreams that we have for the congregation. We certainly need to give, give them time to get moved in and, and to know us. Maybe we can invite them into our home for a meal. Maybe we can tell them about our talents and the things we do and the things we'd like to do for the church. We can tell them how we plan to be supportive of them. We can show them that we are serious about being an active part of the Lord's church. We can show that through our loyalty, involvement in the church, faithful and on time to all assemblies. We can show them that through our priority. There is so much to do, and it takes resources. Not only our personal involvement, but we need to put our money to the work of the church. We need to show them that we're serious through our proximity, involved in the fellowship activities of the church, visiting in one another's homes. If a congregational activity is there, we, if at all possible, be part of that. But the best thing I, I believe we can do to prepare to welcome Ken and Anita to God's family here at Boonville is for each of us to be spiritually healthy ourselves. 
You remember how Isaiah prepared himself for the service? In Isaiah 6, verses 5 through 8, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. We want to partner with Ken and Anita in the work of the Lord. The best way I know for us to do that is to prepare ourselves for that work. We need to be holy in the sight of the Lord as we embark on doing His will. John wrote in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You'll allow me to be a little personal. I, I, I believe that there's a parallel between what I've been experiencing in my physical health and what some may be experiencing in their spiritual health. As many of you know, I've had some several serious health issues this year. Uh, I had symptoms that I tried to ignore, self-medicate, and just plain work through. Thankfully, Janita said, Jim, you are sick. Go to the doctor. I listened to her, and it started me on a road that has ultimately led to improvement. Well, if, if you are spiritually sick, I, I hope you have people that love you enough to point you to the great physician. Maybe you've examined yourself and you know that you're spiritually sick, but the bottom line is, if you're spiritually sick and do nothing, it's only going to get worse. For, the, for me, the doctors knew I was sick, but they didn't know what the cause was, and my disease only got worse because the treatment was wrong. Every x-ray, every CT scan showed that my lungs were getting more infected and losing, losing function. Spiritual diseases need treatment, but they need the right treatment or they'll only get worse. For my personal health, luckily I got to the Tupelo Hospital where the doctors checked everything they could and finally said, we know that there is one thing that will help and started me on that treatment and thankfully I'm improving and have hope of being able to function normally. If you're spiritually sick, there is one thing that will help. Jesus said in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're spiritually sick, if you've never become a Christian, why not put him on in baptism today? If you're a spiritually sick Christian, confess your faults and start over today. For me, it was a terrifying thought to think how close I came to death. My lungs were shutting down. Two weeks, 
three weeks at the most, and I'd probably have been dead. But I got the treatment I needed, and, and now I have hope. Well, what happens if you're spiritually sick today and do nothing? Spiritual death. You know, it's time for us to have a spiritual revival as we welcome Ken and Anita Forrest into the fellowship of this congregation. God insists that we be holy. It is our starting point as we work together to make the Boonville congregation the congregation that God wants it to be. I believe that God wants to bless us as a congregation. Don't you believe God wants to bless the Boonville congregation? Well, to bless us, we need to be holy. And if you need the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse your sins, won't you come right now as we stand and sing? Hark the gentle voice of Jesus calling tenderly upon your ear.
If anyone needs the Lord's Supper, just raise your hand. We have men ready to bring it to you. I was thinking about the Lord's Supper just a few minutes ago. You know, Jesus instituted this the day before he was going to be crucified. He knew that he was going to be crucified. And he told his apostles, he took the bread and he passed the bread around. And he told them, he said, I want you to remember my body every time you do this. And then he took the cup and he passed it around and he said, I want you to remember my blood every time you do this. In effect, he was telling us to remember his body and remember his blood. Probably one of the most important things of our worship is to do what Jesus told us to do, is to remember him. You know, the Lord's Supper has changed a lot. I know once... When I was a youngster, the Lord's Supper was put on the table, usually just a couple of four cups and some bread with a scarf over it or tablecloth over it. And then as times changed, we got trays with little glasses in the trays and, and little pieces of bread that was already cut and whatever. And now it's become necessary for us to do this in a way that nobody else touches it. But what I wanted to point out to me and to remind you that it's not in the way that we take the cup and the way that we take the bread, it's that we do what Jesus told us to do. That as we take this bread and as we drink this cup, that we remember our Lord Jesus Christ, remember his body and remember the sacrifice that he did for us. If you would bow with me as we pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this time remembering the body of Jesus Christ that he so freely gave to allow himself to hang on that cross and to have and endure all that pain and suffering so that we might have eternal life. Father, help us to do this in a way that would be pleasing unto you. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you bow with me again as we, before we take the cup? Father, as we drink of this cup, Father, help us think of the blood that Jesus shed for us. When that Roman soldier hit his side with that spear, that his blood flew, flowed, and that he was willing to allow that to happen that he could any time come down off of that cross and not done it for us but he was so willing help us remember his blood because it's we understand that it's through his blood the sacrifice that he gave 
that we can have a home in heaven if we'll only do the things that he told us to do. Father, help us to do this in a way that would be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we're getting ready to leave, and some of you have already done that, there's collection plates set at each door, ready for you to uh, put your offering in there. If you would take just one moment, and let's thank God for the blessings that we have. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this country that we live in, this community, this county, this city that we have the opportunity to earn wages and we have the opportunity to live in such a way that we do. Be thy will, Father, help us as we return a portion of this unto you, that the people in charge here, our elders, will use this to further your son's name in our community and in the world. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. morning. We are glad that you are here with us this morning for visiting with us. We invite you back anytime that you can come our way. As you've heard it announced already this morning, we had a hundred have 196 in here this morning. I'm sure several more who are, are listening or watching online. Uh, remind you, be mindful of those names that are in your bulletin. Uh, there's several there on the prayer list on there. And also to uh, keep, in, keep in mind a special prayer for the June Cupper family as well as the Edith English family. And also, once again, just to remind you, as of now, plans are, be, are to begin meeting Wednesday night Bible classes again on Wednesday, August the 5th. Safety protocol will be used, but there's more praying, planning, and preparation yet to be done, and more information will be announced that soon. Have one other announcement this morning, Adrian Edge is in need of a ride tomorrow for a doctor's appointment. So if your schedule will allow you to do that, uh, if you feel like you can, if you'll get in touch with Jimmy or Adrian himself and let them know that you can do that, I'm sure it would be greatly appreciated. That's all the announcements we have this morning. If you'll bow with me, I'll close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to come and to worship you in song and praise. Father, we thank you so much for many wonderful blessings in life you've bestowed upon each and every one of us. Father, we ask that you continue to guide us in our everyday lives and help us to live and work and play in a manner that be pleasing unto thee. Father, we thank you for the leadership of our church here to continue to be with our elders and their decision makings that they have to do through these difficult times. Father, we're so excited about our new preacher, Brother Forrest, and his family. We, we ask that you be with each and every one of us and help us to give them the warmest welcome that we possibly can. Father, we ask you go through it with us the rest of this week. Continue to guide us and lead us. And forgive us for where we have failed thee. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.